TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And now, the group you've all been waiting for, the Lovers of Five. David. And I'd like to tell you about my favorite number, which is the number five. Now, the number five is my favorite number because it has one straight line here. And then it has a round line on the bottom here. And then it has another line on the top. I love singing about the number five. Give me five. Ah, give me five. Give me five. Give me one, two, three, four. Give me five. Uh, give me one, two, three, four, but if you love me more, give me five, yeah, 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 give me five. Ah, oh, give me five. Hello, everyone. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd. And normally, you'd be cashing in with myself and David Ongar doing a little hockey talk, but we have no David Ongar this week. Dave... Doing the family thing, good for him. And and I gotta say, off the bat, that the guy was even considering doing any recording on Sunday with his family. And especially like his daughter has has crossed country to spend time with him. And he's like, oh, maybe I'll call in. I'm like, no, what do you, as we noted on Bandwagon Nerds uh, a couple weeks ago, no, I found a suitable replacement because anytime we don't do hockey talk or chair, you know, our um, musical chairs. It's a good time to bust out a 5x5, five five, and it has been a really long time since we have done a Saturday Night Live 5x5 five five with Mr. Saturday Night. So that's what we are going to do on this edition of the 5x5, five five, is we are going to do a Saturday Night Live 5x5, five five, and I am joined, of course, by the man I just mentioned, Mr. Saturday Night himself, PC Tunney. Tunney, how are you? Welcome filling in on the 5x5. Five five. Welcome back. I'm thrilled to be back we always have a great time running down our favorite and uh, least favorite parts of saturday night live uh, this is a big one it's musical guests or musical performances however you want to put it there kind of a little um, bit of both yeah yeah it's great because here's some snl content for people that might be missing out on the last three um episodes of the uh of the season but we'll we'll table that talk go back and listen to bandwagon nerds from earlier in the week but in addition patrick Let's make this the Patrick O'Dowd PC Tunney birthday celebration bash because <laughs> that's true. We're recording Sunday. My birthday's Monday. This drops Tuesday on your birthday. So that, yeah, we get a double dose of birthday celebrations as we record together. But yes, I am. I'm feeling every one of my 45 years today, <laughs> a couple of days early, but it's, it's, it's always, I, it's funny, I don't remember when I hit the age where, like, I stopped really even, like, mentioning that it was my birthday. Like, you know, you just kind of hit, you kind of hit a point where it's like, yeah, it's great. It's it's kind of cool. Like, I was, uh, I was out at a bar after, after the, uh, after the bowling, like I tend to do, hit a, hit a bar after the bowling. My buddy's a DJ, he's a karaoke DJ. So I was over there and, uh, singing some karaoke and I finish, and this was on Thursday. The, the previous Thursday and my buddy is like 
hey, give it up for Patrick. It's his birthday. And even then, I'm like, but it's not my birthday. Like, not, not my birthday. Like, I don't, I don't need, because then here's what happened. So, as everybody knows, I work on a college bar. Like, I work in a college area, right? So, I'm at this bar. It's not close to any of the campuses because of the way, like, Amherst, which is where UMass Amherst, you know, obviously is, is very rural. Like, it's, it's farms and, and small towns kind of clustered together. So, this bar, which is awesome, it's called The Quarters. You would like it. It's vintage video games at the bar it's it's very much set up with like and it's got like vintage toys and games and shit that you can look at and see in memorabilia there is a star wars trivia night coming up where i wish i had the bandwagon local because i feel like we could knock that shit out of the park and win all of the monies but you all are in like california wisconsin down in the south and texas and all that shit so not gonna happen but that happens and then suddenly like all these college kids who care about birthdays were like woo and then people would like come up to me and be like oh you did a great job singing and happy birthday and i'm like i don't want a shot no stop i'm 45 and i have to go to work tomorrow leave, leave me alone and it's not really my birthday please i'm old hey, i'm old listen, if you want to buy me a shot here <laughs> at noon on saturday that's when yes, i drink c- come by on well i i drink up in the evening on saturday and friday nights when i can sleep in but I've also hit that old man age where, where, like, no matter what I do the night before, I wake up at, like, 6. Like, it just it doesn't matter. I'm just fucking programmed that way, and it's really annoying. So, but happy birthday to you, because by the time happy this drops, it will, it will have been your birthday. And, of course, we will have uh, absolutely talked about it on Bandwagon Nerds, because as everybody knows, this gets recorded before Bandwagon Nerds, because, hey, eh, that's how it goes. So, there's the curtain peeled back. Uh, you are, like I said, Mitch, uh, we mentioned this Previously, we are doing the 5x5 here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thank you very much, Christopher Platt. Also, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash thechairshot for all of your ChairShot shirt needs, including the aforementioned Bandwagon Nerds. $19.99 shirt, or if you're feeling fancy, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your giblets will appreciate it. We are doing a Saturday Night Live show. You already mentioned it. We are going to do our five best and five worst Saturday Night Live musical guests slash performances. And uh, I'm stoked to do this one. It was really, really hard to put together because there's just so much content. I joked before we started recording the show. 40 plus years of Saturday Night Live. That is a lot of content to cover. And so we're going to we're gonna do our best to give you what we think are our five best, five worst. And we're going to do that after our first commercial break. So hang tight, everybody. When we come back, PC Tunney and I are going to start with our five best musical performances, musical guests on Saturday Night Live. You're listening to the 5x5 on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the 5x5. Five five. Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tunney here this week, giving you our five best and five worst SNL musical guests slash performances. I mentioned this heading into the podcast, or heading into the commercial break for this podcast. Always tough when doing a 5x5 five five for SNL because of just the sheer volume and years. And I know we've talked about doing this by decades at some point. I think that you know there will come a time where we're we're doing some decade-based stuff because you at this point we're how close to fifty years are they, Tony? You you seem to be more in tune with this. What were you like forty-six? Seventy-five, right? Yeah. So a couple more years, and we will have hit the fifty-year mark. For for Saturday Night Live, so that is quite a I bit. Mean, was it the 40th celebration they got everybody back, or was it the 30th, 35th? One of them when they had everybody back, at, and and they did like a special for it. Um, you look for something like that again, I would imagine. Yeah, I, there's. I, I'll have to go back and take a look, but I think you're you're pretty spot on. I know it's well over 40 years, heading into 50. So as we do on the five by five, we will be going over our. Top five first, the five best, and we will save the sort of the debatable go and check it outside of things for our five worst on the back half, as we always tend to do. Uh, just a reminder about our list rules Tony and I have come up with our top five. I guarantee you, Tony has probably got some honorable mentions he's going to want to drop, uh, and that's fine if he does. We're not gonna, we're not gonna get too crazy about it. I'm starting maybe it's because I'm another year older. And I'm starting to lighten up in my old age, but uh, you know, relaxing a little bit. But I just, I, I've also come to recognize that there's just no avoiding it. There will be honorable mentions from PC Tony, and that's fine. That's who you are. That is your, that's your bag, baby. <laughs> you want me to just start with it, or you want well, me to wait for? It? No, no, we, we, we. Fun facts, though. Well, that's cool. We can, we'll definitely cover the fun facts. We will have you kick this list off and do your five. You'll, you'll do your number five. So if you want to roll into some fun facts, I don't know if they're in conjunction with the the, the acts that you've put in, but you know, just some reminders, uh, like make sure that you're paying attention. I, we didn't have a chance to share a list ahead of time, but if we have same artists higher on our list, we got to make sure we wave up so that we pause until we get there. Um, there's not a lot of like, I take umbrage. This is very much the subjective. This is our list, like the definition of this is our list. And um, and so I think that this will probably, and we're also probably the most efficient five by fivers that I have on the show. So that's the other reason why I'm okay with you and your honorable mentions and fun facts because because I know we'll get through this quickly. Well, here it is. This is just the the top five most musical uh, the 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 top five in the most times appearing as musical guests. I just wanted to give you that because they may or may not make a list. Sure, that's kind of prevalent, right? Eminem seven times. Uh, Tom Petty, eight. Uh, third place, the Foo Fighters, eight times. Paul Simon, 12 times, 14 overall, hosted four times. And Dave Grohl would have surpassed him with 15 had the season continued. He is at 14 in and of it with himself, including Nirvana. And I believe he was on as a solo artist as well once. So there you go. He also, he also played alongside... He played for somebody too, didn't he? Like I think what he played with Petty. I think he played with Tom Petty at one point. 
he did. He drummed for Petty in one of his in one of his. Last yeah, years. I was like, I I, I kind of remember that. So, yeah, those are some great facts. And yeah, you can't think of SNL without the musical guests, like just as important as the hosts. And of course, you know they they merge. So why don't you kick us off, man, and just tell us your your number five. My number five is something that this person wasn't even the musical guest. They just held a spot open for this person. Um, and the show actually is erased from memory mostly because one of the cast members dropped an F-bomb. So I don't know if Prince's performance of Party Up in 1981 is on your list, but it's my number five. It, it is not on my number five it's or on my top five. No. 22-year-old Prince, um, just kind of on stage, I believe. I forgot. He knew somebody, and they saved us just a brief segment for him, even though I think, God, I can't remember who the musical guest was. But, yeah, pretty interesting to see him that young. Um, still had the poofy hair, but was just killing the guitar, and those vocals were you know, something people haven't really heard before, his style. So it's pretty cool. You can't really see this. There's some audio versions of it where it just shows a picture of him and then they just play the audio but yep. there was one guy on youtube who was commenting over the video he had found so it was pretty interesting it's a good watch nice that's that's an extra excellent first choice so i'm going to kick off my top five with my number five shrouded in a bit of controversy because when this performance happened their career ended after after it happened. And this is a this is a performance that with the hindsight of time and context, I feel is absolutely not just a great performance, but an impactful performance. And that is Sinead O'Connor's infamous 1992 performance covering Bob Marley's war in which she held up a picture of the Pope and tore it in half saying, fight the real enemy in protest of Catholic influences in her native Ireland. And this set off a firestorm. And I remember watching this live. I remember seeing it, not understanding it, but that she couldn't perform anywhere in, in the United States in particular because the backlash was so severe in her protest of the influence of the Catholic Church in her in her native country. But the performance itself is incredibly powerful. And to go back and watch it today under a different lens in a different context, it's to me it's phenomenal. And you know, and I don't care those of you who may still be angry at Sinead O'Connor for for tearing up a picture of the Pope. It, it to me it's aged in a different direction. It is one of the greatest performances in the history of the show in my opinion it, it led to over four thousand telephone calls to nbc and um the thing to not forget to mention about the performance was it was basically an acapella rendition yep. of, of was, marley's war just a uh, black it was just her in a darkened set background it was it was uh it was something else yeah, it's like, something else there's like candle candles behind her that's it right uh okay so my number four, my number four, this is a personal one and one that I still remember being blown away by this performance. And that was in 1990. Uh, there was this band before there was Nirvana. There was 
Abanzik sort of set the stage. And for me, that was Faith No More. And Faith No More, 1990, their performance of their, basically their biggest hit, Epic. Uh, I can still to this day see Mike Morris climbing on the set while they're performing in the musical background or in the background. Like, so the, 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 there's an instrumental going on and he is just climbing all over the stage and the energy that he was putting out was just like, it's crazy. I showed it to the little O'Dowd today while I was watching the videos back and he was just like, I love this. Oh my God, this is amazing. And Fake No More was a band that was just so far ahead of its time and to, to, to see where they are, you know, where, where their music was then versus what it would be like today. Just outstanding and that that is yeah that's that's it and mike patton sorry not mike morris mike mike patton isn't isn't epic uh the uh the video with the flopping fish with the flopping fish that pissed off PETA? absolutely yeah 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 Yeah, and the piano explodes oh the video is great too it's a great rock band and that has a great performance on on saturday night live like you you like even through watching them on TV, you can feel their energy. You know what I'm saying? That's just oh, a yeah. band today. Great. I oh, would great still pick. pay money today to see them play. So that's my number four. It's a great pick. Um, my number four, you mentioned before Nirvana. Um, I don't know if they're on your list or not, but mine is higher up. You got higher up. I had oh, higher yeah. four. Okay. All right. So you're number three. My number three is one of the visually cool things that they did um, in a performance and a newer song that I really liked. And it's Bad Guy from Billie Eilish. And in the performance on the show, she's in a rotating box with that the camera rotates with her. So it looks like she's walking up the wall and then walking across the ceiling and dancing and then walking down the other side. And it's just a fun performance and visually stunning. And it's just a song, you know, I'm the bad guy, duh. Uh, is just a fun, fun, flirty kind of cool new song that I really took to right away. It's like, man, I really like this song. And then just to see the performance that she has where it does, it just looks like she's defying gravity and walking up the side, up the roof. And as, as, as she goes through like the refrain and stuff like that, it's perfectly timed. It's well executed. It's a visually very cool, cool performance. Excellent, excellent choice. Uh, was under consideration for for the top five for me, uh, but didn't didn't quite make it on my list. Uh, my number three, you talked about Paul Simon. Uh, I am going to go with Paul Simon. I am going with Paul Simon's. Si- no, nope, not that one. Not the not Paul Simon in the chicken suit. No, no, no. What I am going to do though is it's actually Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel in 1975 okay. who showed up. What's that? I think they're on five times together. They're on five times together. This is the second time Paul Simon was on the show. And it was a very significant appearance because for those who don't know the history of the band, the two of them, they made amazing music together. They also kind of hate each other a lot. Like their relationship really broke down. And this appearance was after the two of them had broken up as performers together and, and, and had been making music together. This was in 1975, and they uh, the performance I went through, this is another one that I couldn't find actual footage of. Uh, I didn't go through Peacock to see if it's like on Peacock and part of their collection of what's on there. But 
Uh, you can hear recordings of them performing the Boxer and Scarborough Fair and, and you know some of their big music from The Graduate and, and see images of it. But the the fact that they were so bitterly split, yet they came back and did this performance together on SNL at the time was a huge, huge, huge deal. So that was my number three. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he got on the list. Paul Simon did uh, would have been one of my honorable mentions, but his significance to the musical guest spot on Saturday Night Live is unmatched in any other kind of guest kind of way. You know, I would think more recently you kind of equate Paul Simon helping out that musical side the way Alec Baldwin took to like playing Trump and really giving that its own life. So, yeah, Paul Simon, one of the greats, one of my favorites. Yeah, I, uh, I love the two of them, and I love Paul Simon on his own. Graceland, one of the best albums ever. All right, we're to my number two. Uh, my number two is my most recent selection on the list, and that is uh, from 2020, during the pandemic. Uh, there was a an artist, and I can't even remember the name of the artist, who canceled last minute on SNL because of COVID protocols that, that they either wouldn't follow or couldn't follow. And it led to a spur-of-the-moment musical guest performance by Jack White in 2020. And in particular, his medley, Lazaretto, that he plays, in which he pays tribute to the recently passed Eddie Van Halen by using one of Eddie Van Halen's style guitars. It's a, very, it's a tremendous performance all in and of its own. And I'm not even a big Jack White fan. I'm not a big White Stripes fan. Uh, but I respect what Jack White can do, and that particular performance is one of the best in recent memory for Saturday Night Live. In Saturday Night Live, by my book. So number two, Jack White. That's a great pick. I am a Jack White guy. Um, I'm surprised I didn't put him on my list. If it was a top ten, I probably would have. I remember the performance you're talking about, and I cannot remember who canceled either. I, I feel like, though, it was like a completely different genre of music. It was like it was a country like, music star. I'll effort it. And and it was like, oh, and I'm not a big country person, you know. And, and I'll still watch these performances, though, just because you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes there's people you think you're not going to enjoy what they're going to do, and you just get, you know, blown away by the what they come up with to do on this set. Um, for the show, but yeah, Jack White, great call. Um, he uh, he filled in for Morgan Wallen, who was scheduled to uh, perform but violated the production's COVID nineteen safety protocols. There you go. All right, my number two. Yes, sir. My number two is David Bowie in nineteen seventy nine, doing the Man Who Sold the World, and it is just a really cool rendition. He's wearing like this stiff suit that he has to be picked up and moved by these guy in all black. And I think the other one was wearing all red and they're kind of doing the backup singing with him. And it's just a very David Bowie-esque rendition um, on the stage. And it's fun to watch, you know? Um, I love that song, by the way. That song has been done by a lot of different people. There's a bunch of different, I believe Nirvana actually did cover this, didn't they? Uh, I think so. Yeah. One of the grunge bands did, and it's one of my uh, it's probably my favorite rendition, but yeah, this is just a really cool kind of David Bowie space odyssey, you know, kind of, <laughs> right, know, right before he ditched it, right before he ditched his record label and then went pop and mainstream, which was, which is always his, his most popular album 
came out uh, after he ditched his his shitty recording label and uh, was like, fuck you, now I'm going to make a ton of money, not for you. Uh, well, yeah. Which, you know, go Bowie. So, right. excellent, excellent choice. You can't go wrong with David Bowie. Who's your number one, sir? Well, I know what yours is. Yes. So we do have different ones, which is great. Right. Mine is from 1999. Okay. The musical guest was the Beastie Boys. Ooh. They were about to play Sabotage when none other than Elvis Costello came up and interrupted the opening to it in which the boys each grabbed an instrument and they played radio radio and it was fucking awesome and the crowd fucking loved it and for the beastie boys i think it kind of showed them people who were still even doubting them even into the late 90s that look at elvis costello is a fan of ours we're doing a song together on saturday night live right and i'm sure that Elvis Costello was like, you guys, this is your time, and I don't want to do it. And they, the Beastie Boys were like, no, listen, we love you, and this is going to be great. And, and it was, and it was surprising. And to me, there's not a lot of things that happen. Like you mentioned, like the, the whole um, um, Jack White filling in, right, and the last second. Well, here, Elvis Costello shows up at the last second, and who would have known that the relationship with the Beastie Boys? So... Just a great, great rendition. This is if you're gonna go back and watch any of my top five on YouTube, you can definitely check out all these. Um, but yeah, the Beastie Boys and Elvis Costello playing Radio Radio in 1999. And that's actually a callback too, because Elvis Costello was t was told he wasn't supposed to be allowed to play Radio Radio back when he was the musical guest in the 70s. And in the most metal thing you could do at the time, he played it anyway. And good on Elvis Costello. So I, I think it's disingenuous not to think that the Beastie Boys didn't know exactly what they were doing when they went with the song that they went with, too. Because those guys did, they, they know their shit. They interrupted. Yeah, he came out and stopped right before they were going to do sabotage. <laughs> right. So, all right, my number one, you, you mentioned it before. I would, I, the heyday of my Saturday Night Live watching was the the late 80s into the early to mid 90s i kind of stopped around 95 ish watching it on the regular and in, in the 90s it doesn't get more 90s than in 1992 and nirvana doing smells like teen spirit on saturday Night live like that was the old like there there are a lot of things that validate sort of musical music and performances and, and stuff like that and you know kurt Cobain famously said that he knew he made it when uh, Weird Al Yankovic parodied him with, um, you know, with uh, with his uh, and I'm oh god I'm losing the uh, the name of his parody. But anyway, he parodied "Smells Like Teen Spirit." But "Smells Like Teen Spirit" being on Saturday Night Live and having that stage that's that was another that's another step in the legitimizing of grunge and what would become uh, what would become a musical movement in the 1990s. And so that was, I know you had them earlier on your list. Those were my thoughts on Nirvana. 92 smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. He, the parody was smells like Nirvana. Smells like Nirvana. I can't, can't believe I couldn't get the name right. Yeah. What is this song all about? Can't figure out, can't figure any lyrics out. How do the words to it go? I wish you'd tell me. I don't know. Um, yeah. Then, so this is this was number four, and then I think something to really mention about this is after Cobain's passing, Eddie 
better. It does the performance where he climbs up into the rafters and, you know, hides up there. Yeah. Um, very emotional performance, but they do smells like teen spirit. The crowd goes nuts. It's a really good live performance. And then they do territorial pissings and they smash everything on fucking stage. And then uh, the show's closing. They make out with each other on the way out the door. Yes. So it's just kind of a really weird, weird, you know, and, and by the way, the, the, yes, this is Dave Grohl and, you know, all the way back in uh, what, 92, this is 31 years ago. And now he's the biggest rock star in the world. So it's always interesting to see where his path would have gone, but definitely one of the most iconic musical performances on television history, regardless of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they had a lot of those sort of performances, not just on SNL. Uh, most people would argue that the greatest issue, uh, greatest episode of MTV's Unplugged is the Nirvana episode. So not, not just know, that. Uh, speaking of MTV's Unplugged, uh, Metallica did their... They, Metallica had theirs, right? Or was it Alice in Chains? Alice in Chains. Okay, and Metallica showed up to support them, I think. Well, no, they, they they had, infamous, they had infamous, infamously on their guitars, and uh, I can't remember if it was an yeah, SNL or if it was... It was, the, Fred, it was the, yeah. They wrote, friends don't let friends get their hair cut or something. It was right, right after friends don't, because they, they changed their look... Uh, I will say that Jason Newstead famously said after being accused of selling out, they said, yes, we sell out every arena in the country. So just like this, it said it. (laughs) Exactly. So great list. There you have it, everyone. That's our top five. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, it's going to be time to talk about the worst of the worst. That's right. The worst musical performances coming your way. You are listening to the 5x5 on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net. All right, everyone, welcome back. That's right, it's the 5x5 here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Make sure you're listening to all of your favorite ChairShot shows on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can get it just about anywhere. And remember to support us. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the ChairShot for all of your ChairShot shirt needs. Okay, we've done the best. It's time for the worst. This is the list I actually wonder how many matches we'll have uh, as we go through. Uh, What's your number one match? Number one is, I, I. there There should be no question about number one, but we'll get there. I almost thought about doing a Steven Seagal-esque ban uh, on it, but I left it out. But that's uh, fine. All right, so we'll. I get to go first this time uh, because Tony went first in the, on the other list. My first choice comes from 2012. And that is Lana Del Rey's performance of video games, which is, I mean, I, I went back and watched it this morning. It's painful, dude. Like, it's the song itself is the song, but she just looks uncomfortable, awkward, bored, and like nobody responds to it at all. Like, it's terrible, 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 terrible. My number five. That was going to be, that was on the uh, 
possibilities radar there. It's a pretty bad performance. I think that's widely known as one of the 10 worst there. Um, that's a good pick to put on the list and kick this off with because anybody who goes back and watches that will tell you that is just, you know, D plus at best. Um, right. <laughs> my number five is Iggy Azalea featuring Mo doing beg for it in 2014. Um, Iggy wasn't so bad. It was this, uh, I think like, Western, Northern, Northwestern European, like uh rapper named Mo or something. And she didn't know what she was supposed to do or where she was supposed to go. It looked like the first rehearsal for chore- choreography, right? Oh, and yeah. She was jumping in late and kind of missing some of her stuff. So just a very uncomfortable performance. If you want to go back and watch it, uh, poor Iggy Azalea. Cause she looked like she really did a good job, but uh, this lady had no idea what she was doing. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it looked it looked poor. Um, let's get to my number four. My number four is from back in 1981, and it's a punk band named Fear. And oh, I almost picked Fear. Yes, dude. They 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 brought in all these kids that were going to clearly start a mosh pit, and they did. And they smashed pumpkins, and there was pumpkin guts everywhere, and they literally caused nearly twenty thousand dollars in damage to the set and the stage. And it was just a disaster piece. Absolute disaster. And I, you know, what's funny is fear walks out of that being like, that was metal as shit. That was punk as shit. They were proud as fuck. Cred from their peers for, you know, you know, putting it to the man and causing chaos and getting, and and never appearing on Saturday Night Live ever again. So rightfully so. Well, they weren't going to be back anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was your number four. So that brings it to my number four. I talked about the '90s a lot, and and if you want to accuse this one of just being biased because I don't like don't like them, uh, that's fair. But their performance on Saturday Night Live was abysmal. And that's the Spice Girls. Go back and go back and listen to their performance of "Wannabe." And this, I, I you know, a performance is bad when you can't find footage of it, and. Again, didn't go back to look for it on Peacock. You can't, I can't find, I couldn't find it on YouTube. All I could find was like a picture of them with like studio recording of Spice Girls from SNL. That's how bad it was. That, that, and when, when something hits that kind of level of bad, just, just don't, don't bother. It's really funny because you, you just come across all these iconic bands that had these greatest performances of all time. And now we get to this list and, you know, Spice Girls is a pretty iconic band. And yet yeah. Just subpar performance. You'd think you would, you'd think you would either know that you had something that people had never seen before and you knew a way to execute it well, or you would just like, hey, stick to what they want to hear, what they love. And that way, even if it's mediocre, you're okay. Yeah, their Zaws were off. I'll just say that. The Zaws were not good. All right, that brings me to my number three. This is in 1999. Kids, in 1999, country artist Garth Brooks went through an identity crisis. Oh, we got to pause because the finger has been raised. But okay, so. We'll we'll just pause for about 30 seconds while I talk about how bad Kesha's performance was in 2010. I left Kesha off, but yes. Yeah. Um, She performed the song TikTok and was not very on in that song and then she did uh your love is my drug and 
did some kind of tribal painting outfit that yep. really pissed off the indigenous people. Um, so it was just a really controversial and poor quality of a performance by Kesha. Uh, maybe poor quality of uh, execution and, and uh, the way she decided to go um, outfit-wise was, was just kind of brought her down there, kind of killed some of the momentum she had going on into the uh, early 2010s. So that was my number three. I think I've talked enough about it, but go ahead, Patrick. Talk about your three and my two and a man named Chris Gaines. So Garth Brooks went crazy in the late 90s and decided, hey, I want to put out different music from the country music you know and love, and I want to create this persona. It's his dark side. It's Chris Gaines. And first of all, kids, go into Google Images, search Chris Gaines if you if you were if 1999 was not your era. It's it so Spider-Man 3, Peter Parker goes emo and it's supposed to be dark. That's basically what Chris Gaines looks like. He's got like a black wig on, he's got a little soul patch goatee thing. They they even tried on the episode to have because Garth Brooks hosted the show, but Chris Gaines was the musical performer. And so, like, they did, they clearly did a pre tape of Garth Brooks introducing Chris Gaines because they, they show Garth Brooks introducing him, and then there's a cutaway. And you can tell that the dude in the black cowboy hat and the outfit is not Garth Brooks because now the Chris Gaines guy, and one, the music was just never, just, just, just never good in the first place. And, and then the performance was just a, both performances were hot messes of Garth Brooks just standing there trying to be emo and looking all serious and dark and, and I'm, but then you hear this like weird goofy ass pop song. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was awful. And it was my number three and rightfully your number two. Yeah. It, apparently the rumor is there was supposed to be some kind of movie that he was playing this character in that got canceled and made right. everything really confusing. Cause that was kind of supposed to be the way to kind of, introduced this character and this idea that he had and yeah it was fucking weird i remember watching this live i remember that whole situation because i was i'm a big garth i'm like i'm not a big country guy whatsoever i do like certain songs i do like a few different artists and garth brooks is one of them you know friends in low places you know that's just one of the most iconic country sing-along songs ever um but yeah just a very awkward weird situation where He's the only person in the room that doesn't get that no one gets it. Right. It's woof, 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 woof. And you can you can watch that one, kids. So go look it yep. up uh, out there. Search it out. Awful mistake. You can also search and find this next performance, my number two, as well on the YouTube's. And yeah, I went to the I went to the eighties as well for this one. Nineteen eighty six, a uh, band by the name of the Replacements would appear on Saturday Night Live. They were an underground punk band that was trying to push its way into the mainstream. They were a last-minute replacement for the canceling Pointer Sisters who stepped out of the show. And the band was on the verge of breaking up. They were in a really bad place. They were heavily drinking and doing lots of drugs as was typical for the 80s i remember this one. Oh yeah and they were fucked up out of their mind trying to play bastards of the young and kiss me on the bus and kiss me on the bus kiss me on the bus was like yeah bastards of the young every the, the machine the, the 
the guitars are out of tune. All the instruments are bad. Paul Westerberg yells out his fucking swears in the middle of the in the middle of the performance. And needless to say, this was once again a band that was never invited back to perform at Sat on Saturday Night Live. And uh, it was just, it was bad. It was really bad. And they even talk about how they, they they smuggled booze into their dressing room. They spent the next few hours drinking and taking drugs and just getting wackadooed out of their mind before going on to perform live. And, and it shows. It shows. Yeah, they were known to be like that. It was surprising that they were on the short list, but uh, they were the replacements. And boy, were, were they. They lived up yes, to their Yes, they rest. were. Well, why don't you tell everybody what our number one is, Patrick? So I, I think this would be everybody's number one. You know, we see the title of this program. There's no way the first thing you don't you don't go with is Ashley Simpson. And Ashley Simpson getting caught lip syncing. And, and what was worse was not so much that she got caught. It was that she didn't try to, like, just soldier forward with it. Like, the band, like, around her starts like trying to pretend to play she is caught off guard and lyrics you know and the music like her voice starts coming over because this wasn't a milli vanilli sort of situation where she didn't like sing the music it was just a track of her tune that was being played she gets caught off guard she does like a weird dancing jig thing for like a minute and a half or something and then just runs off stage and then jude law tries to like make it right when they're saying goodbye it's just it was horribly embarrassing and is a moment that completely killed a music career. Well, she wasn't going very far anyway. Her voice was not very. No, good. it wasn't. It wasn't her sister. It's just she was. Yeah, she was Jessica Simpson's sister. That's all it was, and she had her ten minutes in the sun. It's yeah. The song she was supposed to sing starts and surprises her, and she misses it, and then they stop, and it's for, to recover. The band smartly starts to play a different song. And instead right. of intelligently starting to go and do ahead and do a different song, she comes on at the end and, and she buries her band. She goes, yeah, the band played the wrong song, so I decided to have a hoedown. Like, what a dumb bitch. Right. <laughs> Fun fact, that band would continue to play music long after Ashley Simpson was no longer performing music. What band is this? I don't remember what they call themselves now, but what is Ashley Simpson doing now? I don't even know. Yeah. What is no? I'm curious. Like, what happened to her now? Oh, she's been making music music with her husband Evan Ross, the son of iconic Motown music uh, Motown singer Diana Ross. Huh. Oh, and she's moved on to uh, she's moved into interior design. So there you go. That's what Ashley Simpson is up to. For those of you who don't care. All right, yeah, but no question. Just the worst of the worst. Uh, anything else out there, Tony, that you wanted to make sure got a shout-out uh, before we head into the home stretch and wrap the show? Um, Kanye's had a bunch of amazing performances. He's also had a couple of really weird stinkers. <laughs> That's the thing is the more, the more bites of the apple you have on Saturday Night Live, the more opportunities you have for both a great performance and a not-so-great performance. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of some of the greater performances we might not have uh, mentioned here. Uh, I'm just kind of going to one of these lists. Uh, R.E.M. 
had a pretty interesting performance in 91, did Shiny Happy People and Losing My Religion, Rolling Stones back in 78, that's very iconic, Beast of Burden, LL Cool J, very memorable performance in 87, Kendrick Lamar, don't forget Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, but I think we saw so, most of them here. Yeah, here's my favorite, so I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite band of all time, in Queen. And not because the performance itself is particularly iconic. They performed Crazy Little Thing Called Love in 1982. But for the longest time, that was the last stateside performance that Queen would do because of the backlash that the United States showed towards their video uh, for I Want to Break Free, where Freddie and the rest of the band dress in drag. And it caused such an uproar that the video for a long time was banned in the United States. So Freddie said, fuck you, we're not coming to the United States to perform live. And so they didn't for a long time until after Freddie died. And now I'm going to go see Queen and Adam Lambert in October, so everything's better now. But better now. <laughs> everything's better for me now, anyway. Because uh, I get to see them for the third time. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this edition of the 5x5. Tony, before we get out of here, remind everybody where they can find you, us, everyone, however you want to put yourself out there today. No, another great time here talking Saturday Night Live. Thanks for having me again. Uh, check me out, PC Tunny, on the Twitter. And then everything, like Patrick said, Chairshot Radio Network. We got sports podcasts. We got trivia podcasts. We have entertainment podcasts. And you know we got you covered with the professional wrestling side as well. Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. And of course, you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. I'm on the Chairshot Radio Network every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Monday with all the nerds doing some bandwagon nerds. Tuesdays, I'm doing hockey talk. I promise we will do a postmortem on the utter failure of the Toronto Maple Leafs next week. It's got to be done because Dave and I were a week off. Uh, and we're getting close to summer, which means musical chairs and, of course, the 5x5 five five when those don't work out. So all kinds of great options to hear me on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I'm talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on The Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of the 5x5. Five five. We'll catch you next time. And thank you for listening. This has been the 5x5 five five on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.